another episode of the Mixed Witches podcast. This first episode is coming out the last week of July, and um, I can't wait for August. It is Leo season. It is my time. I'm happy. I'm vibing. You're just a Leo. Yeah. In the Ask a Sub Discord, they keep posting Leo memes on there, and I'm like, yes. They keep posting them in the uh, the magic tag, and I'm just sitting there like, yes, eating them up. Oh, all the t- Leo stereotypes. It's just <laughs> not debatable. Leos love to talk about themselves. Well, I was walking past the like the windows earlier and I was looking at I was looking at myself and I was like, this is a very Leo thing to be doing right now. <laughs> Not to say no other signs get excited for their season, but nobody gets excited for Leo seasons like a Leo. (laughs) Nobody gets excited for Leos like Leos do. Like, everyone else goes, yay, it's my time. Leos, I swear, y'all are just going to throw a whole party about it. I was about to say, we just party it up. (laughs) It's a fucking adventure, man. (laughs) one One of the memes... It was like, it was two people dressed as bananas fucking around on a on a playset, <laughs> and on top of it, it said all the Leos during Leo season. And I commented, I was like, as a Leo, I can agree to this. And my best friend, who's a Taurus, <laughs> Taurus Sun Scorpio rising, is just sitting back like, what do I do? <laughs> like I'm like, okay, calm down. Can you take a nap? <laughs> Anyways, you go first today. <laughs> Hopefully you guys won't be able to hear my computer struggling. <laughs> because last month's episodes, you could just hear it struggling the entire time. <laughs> just wheezing. I felt so bad. I was watching a, a video of the, of the wrestling podcast that I like to listen to. And they definitely do. As we've discussed before, they definitely do, like, the, they're all, like, probably on Skype or something. They all have, like, their microphones, and I'm like, we're probably going to finate. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out one day. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, like, the, I, it's, I see it often, and I'm just like, no, we're not dumb. We're <laughs> going to figure it out. We are not stupid people. <laughs> I just didn't think my my computer was going, like, the fan was going to sound that loud because it was running almost the entire time. And then I was editing the episodes, and I was like, oh, my God. It's all you can hear sometimes. Like, I know my computer's old. Please. Please. 
embrace the astrology. <laughs> I love astrology, I do, but I'm having fatigue. I've said this like three times. The fatigue doesn't go away. I'm just happy to be done. Astrology fatigue. I probably it probably wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't so trendy on social media. To be honest. Because everybody and their mom talks about astrology. She's like, I'm glad we all are in. But, like, I think some of y'all need to get out of the pool. Me. I need to get out of the pool. (laughs) (laughs) So, I go first today. And we're going to talk about the social and generational planets. Which are the other half of planets. Also, I have a meteor, which is like, you know, the same as how the sun and the moon are not planets, but we consider them planets, I guess, in the grand scheme of things. So we start with Jupiter, because the last personal planet was Mars. So the next planet up is Jupiter. And Jupiter rules over Sagittarius and Pisces. Jupiter's day of the week is Thursday. The metal is tin. The color for Jupiter is purple. Jupiter is masculine energy. And Jupiter rules over the ninth and the twelfth houses. So Jupiter is the big lucky planet. Because it is the biggest planet in our solar system. Gas giant. All gas. Jupiter is all about enthusiasm. It's also a willful planet. So it is where a lot of your will comes from. Jupiter is also about opportunities and abundance. So Jupiter is known to expand your horizons and instill great self-assurance. Jupiter is the spirit of discovery, is where we seek knowledge, wisdom, and meaning. So the planet Mercury is also a knowledge planet, but it's like little knowledge. In the same way that the third house was early education, and the ninth house is philosophical education. I was going to say esoteric. That's not the word I want. So Jupiter is like big meaning knowledge, deep knowledge. This planet also connects us to our moral codes and legal systems. Jupiter suggests the area of life where you are most likely to adopt ethical principles. Although, let me rephrase. I have this written in my book of shadows. So let me actually rephrase that sentence. Jupiter suggests the area of life where you're most likely to adopt ethical principles and what kind of ethical principles you're going to adopt. Because that makes it seem like general. Depending on what sign and where your Jupiter is depends on where you place ethics, most importantly, and what kind of ethics. Because some of y'all have none. You know who you are. (laughs) Some of y'all don't have any. Oh, wow. I 
just had a click in my head of how that much sense that makes for myself. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> you're right, you're right. So Jupiter governs lawyers and legal systems, universities, colleges, religious organizations, publishing houses, and the gambling industry, obviously. Like I said, way back in the houses, like I said, a third house could be like writing, but Jupiter and the ninth house is like publishing, big writing, not little writing. Jupiter takes 12 years to circuit the zodiac. It spends one year in each sign. So it is the biggest planet in our solar system, but that's why it's the first social planet because Basically, the person a year under you or the year above you is going to have a different Jupiter sign than you. But it's not that big of a gap. You know, only a year. So, Jupiter is represented by religion, philosophy, humor. Jupiter represents expansion and limitless possibilities. Case in point, I can say personally, I have Jupiter in my fifth house, and some people liken that to expansion as in having a lot of kids, or abundance as in you might have a lot of kids, or a really big family. If you have it in your seventh house, or let me just, actually let me back up, fifth house and seventh house also could mean that you might have a lot of lovers in your life, just for some examples of Jupiter. Some Jupiter herbs are said to be cheering and benevolent because Jupiter is the cheerful and benevolent planet. So they include red clover, dandelion, asparagus, and sage. Jupiter also rules fertile soil, grapes, raisins, and wine. Is that why we celebrate with wine? Is that why we like celebrate stuff with like wine? Mm-hmm. Because champagne is a wine. Just so, you know. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a wine. You learn something new every day. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I the only reason that clicked in my head was because if it's not from champagne, we just call it a sparkling wine. Oh, right. Yeah. You know. So I'm like, well, I mean, champagne's a wine, right? But it's from champagne. So legally, it's a champagne it's a champagne. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ew, all the French people just turned it off. <laughs> they just went, no, never mind. If there was any French person listening to this episode right now, they said, no, never mind. Fuck them. She just said champagne. <laughs> I can't. Uncultured swine. <laughs> <laughs> so the next planet up is planet Saturn. Saturn rules over Capricorn and Aquarius. The metal for Saturn is lead. The day of the week of Saturn is Saturday. Of course. It's like the only other day that is like no shit. Sunday, Monday, Saturday. You know. Saturn day. You know. (laughs) The colors are black, gray, and dark brown. Saturn is masculine energy as well, and Saturn rules over the 10th and 11th houses. So, 
Saturn is all about structure, definition, and clarity. It is where we can be organized, methodical, responsible, and committed. I like to consider Saturn the gritty planet. It's like where you get your grit, where you're like, I'm steadfast and I'm going to do the thing, whatever house it's in. I'm trying to think of like the colloquialism for grit. (laughs) And I keep thinking of cowboys for some reason. (laughs) That's fair. Could you, I just imagined, I just imagined the planet wearing a cowboy hat and I feel like somebody needs to, (laughs) somebody needs to lay me down in bed and put me back to sleep. (laughs) Like that's enough of you today. I think you need to stop. Thanks. So, instead of cowboys, Saturn appears in the guise of authority figures, such as parents, teachers, and community leaders. Saturn becomes a symbol for hard-won proficiency. I was going to say prophecy for a second, and that's not the word. Hard-won proficiency and skill, life experience and wisdom, practical knowledge and maturity. Saturn is the old man planet. If you know anything about Greek stuff and about, you know, the way the Romans and the Greeks, whatever they did, Saturn is literally an old man. But (laughs) Saturn is the planet that would be an old man. He's lived life. Saturn's been here. He's been here and done everything. Has been there, done that, over it. sitting in the rocking chair spitting wisdom at you that's Saturn he's the old man sitting in the rocking chair being like let me tell you something about yourself then get off my fucking lawn like let me tell you some things Boyle <laughs> that's him sunny boy let me tell you about you <laughs> Saturn adjusts us to necessity to what is practical realistic and achievable in the real world Here, we all operate within boundaries and limitations of the world at large and of our own human and personal resources. So Saturn is a very 3D planet. Saturn goes, okay, you have big dreams and big aspirations. You know, you got a really nice Jupiter. Here's how we make that thing happen, though, today in this world and age and planet. You say, I want to be a runner, and Saturn goes, okay, well, you have bad knees. So let's, let's figure this out. That's very nice, but we have some problems. (laughs) Where Saturn is in your chart denotes where you might often find yourself working solo, dependent only on your own resources. So Saturn governs thresholds and doorways, as well as government institutions. Saturn signifies clocks and watches, rulers, as in like stick rulers and measures, things that measure. Saturn is also anywhere cold, dark, lonely, or isolated. Poor Saturn. (laughs) I just started to feel real bad for Saturn. I don't think Saturn feels bad though, so it's okay. Saturn stays in a sign for two and a half years. So we're now in the wider range of a peer group definitely a peer group right jupiter is a year so if you were good if you wanted to hang out with people with your jupiter it would only be you know we have only a year of a wiggle room 
Saturn is a bigger range. Saturn can be identified by solemnity, restriction, obstacles, boundaries, endings, and death. Ending. The most important Saturn herb is comfrey, or comfrey, whichever. And Saturn foods are bitter or sharp, like spinach or parsnips. Next, we have Uranus. Uranus is the crazy planet. Oh, God. It is. I like Uranus, but it's the crazy planet. So Uranus co-rules Aquarius. There is no allotted day for Uranus. The metal is uranium. The color for Uranus is electric blue. Uranus is androgynous energy, and Uranus rules the 11th house. So Uranus was discovered in 1781, and it is a generational planet. Uranus is where we tend to rebel and where we establish our independent style. Intellect is a Uranian gift. Here we are clear thinking, applying cool logic and scientific rationalism. Uranus is considered to be a higher octave of Mercury. So everything that's attributed to Mercury, but times 10, or rather a bigger octave, maybe a more broad perspective. You are unlikely to play by the rules where Uranus falls in your chart. Here we can break down barriers and borders, breathe new life into old traditions, and courageously break convention to bring about social, political, or personal change. All of this is attributed to Uranus because of the time and place it was discovered in 1781. Do not ask me history questions. I'm sure if you open a book, my books actually say why, and I cannot remember right now. But I do remember they attributed all this because it was the time of country revolutions of America and France and all of these things and breaking down borders. So when they discovered Uranus, because magic has no coincidences, that is why. They said, oh, that's why. That's why we found this planet. We often have the experience of being an outsider in the areas of our lives touched by Uranus, feeling called to pursue an unconventional path. Where Uranus is emphasized in a chart, it gives the potential for innovation, originality, a strong will, and freedom of insight. In your chart, you might look to Uranus to describe experiences of separation or radical change, instability, inconsistency, or sudden alteration of circumstances. Case in point, I will personalize this, talk about myself. I have Uranus in Aquarius in my fourth house, and I have been homeless more than once. So, also, I don't have great family relationships, but I'm okay with that. Maybe if you have Uranus, for some reason I was thinking of the ninth house or like an educational spot. Maybe you had like an unconventional education. You probably like traveled the world or you're going to one day. You're one of those people who went to study in that place. You know, most of us learn yoga at home. You actually went to India. That is what I mean. 
You said, I'm going to do it this way. Never went, went, all right. So Uranus spends seven years in a sign. So a generational planet. Whereas Jupiter and Saturn are the social planets because it's a bigger gap than the personal planets, but social as in your peer group, the people you would hang out with, the way we set up school systems, you know, you know, you know, them people, it's not that big of a gap. Uranus is where we get big seven years in a sign. That means you and a range of seven years will all have the same sign. Of course, you'll have to look at when it changes and what have you, but that's a shit ton of people who are going to have the same Uranus sign as you. So next we have Neptune. And Neptune is also a co-ruler planet. It co-rules Pisces. There's also no day for Neptune. The planet for Neptune is Neptunium. The color for Neptune is sea green. Neptune is feminine energy. And Neptune rules the 12th house. So, Neptune was discovered in 1846. So, later than Uranus. We knew of all the personal planets. And the ones that are closest to us. It wasn't until we really invented, like, telescopes and really started to get into science, hence Uranus, that we started to see the other planets and meteors and stars and went, oh, there's way more beyond us than we thought, which I think is really cool. So Neptune is a part of us that desires release from life's limitations to glimpse a world less ordinary. In religious terms, we might think of it as a search for God or a reconnection to the source of life. A spiritually inclined person might find this through Holy Communion or meditation. On a secular level, you'd have something like music, which offers a similar experience of trance or reverie. Neptune is the daydreamy planet, which is why Pisces are known to be the very woo-woo, air-headed daydreamy type people because Neptune, it's Neptune's fault. So Neptune dissolves boundaries and can bring chaos and confusion. Here we can fall prey to illusions and surface glints, believing the hype and forgetting to check for substance. Here we can be transported and enriched into the parallel reality of imagination With Neptune, we willingly offer ourselves in a spirit of charitable service, whether genuine selflessness or a form of martyrdom. Neptune is a bit of a funny planet because it can be, as I said, general and genuine selflessness of just trying to be a good person. But also, Neptune is where you can fall prey to playing the victim. uh, Neptune is a little bit of the, oh, woe is me planet. Like, oh, look at all this stuff that's happening to me. And when you're in that headspace, you can't see out of it. And other people around you who are not in that headspace go, girl, what are you talking about? That's Neptune. Neptune can bring us disillusionment and a sense of loss or disappointment. Neptune is the rose-tinted glasses planet also. 
Neptune skips over like red flags. Neptune just like wants to see the good all the time, even if that's not necessarily the case. Neptune spends about 14 years in a sign. So we just went from seven years to double that. Neptune moves slow. Neptune's very far away from the sun. She's, she's slow. She takes her sweet ass time. That's a better way. Neptune's too stuck in dreamland to be moving at any rate. Neptune can symbolize music, poetry, art, the film industry, photography, and fashion, and it is the higher octave of Venus, just as Uranus was the higher octave of Mercury. You'll find lots of similarities between some of these planets because of their octaves. Although I feel like Neptune's not the worst planet. That sounded negative. Neptune is like Chi the lovey planet. She just wants good. That's what she wants. She just wants things to be good and chill and pretty all the time. And honestly, same. Yeah, I was about to say, same. Same. I don't see the problem. But I do see the problem. Saturn sees the problem. Those are two planets that don't get along. You'll learn about that the more you get into astrology about what planets clash and da-da-da-da. Case in point, Saturn is not over there. Neptune is over here being daydreamy, and Saturn is like, if they were brother and sister, Saturn would be like, I can't stand you. Get away from me. Like, can we get back into 3D, please? I don't know where you live. Like, you live over here, and girl, come back down here to Earth. Hello? Girl, where are you where at? Are you at? <laughs> girl, where are you at? So the next planet is Pluto. As far as astrology is concerned, Pluto is still a planet. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Pluto's still a planet to me. Y'all can shut up. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be a planet in our hearts forever. Well, I am a Scorpio ascendant, so I'm just biased. Fair but enough. But like... Don't you take, don't you take Pluto away, assholes. So Pluto co-rules Scorpio with Mars. There is no a lot of day for Pluto. We only have seven days, okay? Like we only, <laughs> we have more planets than we have days. So this is what we get. Though so I suppose, no, never mind. I don't suppose anything. They don't get days. The metal for Pluto is plutonium. The colors for Pluto are maroon and dark red, like wine or like blood. And Pluto rules the eighth house, which I lovingly misspelled in my Book of Shadows. That just took me a second. It's like, what does that say? So Pluto was discovered in 1930, and Pluto is the furthest planet from the sun. So, trust and believe, before we even get there, you know where it's going to take a lot of years. If Neptune took 14 years, Pluto is slow as hell. <laughs> but that's okay. That's alright. Pluto's not in a rush. Pluto is where we experience a metaphoric death and rebirth, perhaps many times during the course of our lives. 
Here, we might be drawn to plunge into the depths. So wherever you have Pluto in your chart, especially some placements of Pluto are very much the many times during the course of your life. Some people have placements where you are, I don't want to say doomed, but I will say doomed. You are doomed to be the butterfly again and again. I'm sorry. I'm only sorry because it's not always fun. I kind of think it's fun. But sometimes, no. No thanks. <laughs> so Pluto signifies things we want to hide or that lie in shadow, perhaps out of shame or because they are surrounded by taboo. Pluto is where we become powerful, although it can also be a place where at times we feel disempowered, invisible, or persecuted. At the end of the tunnel, though, is the light of regeneration. Um, it reminds me of that quote from Batman v Superman, it's always darkest before the dawn. That is Pluto. Pluto is the darkness where you feel like the sun is never going to come up again. And then, oh, the sun. And then we start all over. Isn't that great? We start all over. <laughs> so Pluto is a source of intense and heavy energy at work. If you are having a Pluto return or having a Pluto placement that is very energized or um, if Pluto's doing a lot of manifestation in your chart, you know. Pluto is also like the best way I could allot it is like the tower card. Sometimes scary, maybe not always scary, but you definitely know when it's happening. You definitely know when you have a Pluto placement whirling around in your chart because, because you know. <laughs> it's like a tornado. You like you know when a tornado hits, okay? There's no <laughs> there's no being like, oh a tornado happened? You know. Pluto suggests the presence of hidden power or wealth. So Pluto rules over plutocrats, archaeologists, psychotherapists, miners, and underworld crime. What the fuck's a plutocrat? I think they're really rich people. Oh, okay. I think they're like people who are like who have their uh, have many many fingers and many pies. Ah, okay. Because you I said think, it, and I went... I, I'm not sure, but I think. I was like a dog, just cocked my head like, what the fuck is that? Um, spies, detectives, and secret services are also embraced by this planet. I will say personally, based on my chart, I have Pluto in my second house, and having a Pluto placement in your second house does tend to represent that at some point in your life you're going to be extremely wealthy. I'm waiting for that to happen. I'm waiting for that to manifest. But because Pluto is hidden wealth or like hidden power and wealth, it definitely gives the air of discovery. There's potential. That's the way I've seen it written a lot. There's potential for a lot of money here. But the thing about Pluto is Pluto don't like to tell you who, what, where, when, and how. <laughs> like an asshole. Pluto, Pluto just says, hmm. You could do. <laughs> Pluto sits in the back of the room and just observes. And then sometimes makes a move. That's Pluto. 
you can't push Pluto to do nothing. Pluto just does and then leaves and then comes back. It does it again and then just leaves. Like a cat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Pluto spends an average of 21 years in a sign. So this is the biggest gap. Many of us have Pluto in the same sign. I just realized, bro, mm -hmm. we only just passed out of, like, how long Pluto would have been in a sign for us. Yeah. Like, say it Pluto... It was right, right after you were born. I looked it up. It was, like, it was like right after you were born. Jesus Christ. Like, in, the, in that transition of 97 is when it changed. I think that's so weird. So does that we mean... We just missed... I don't... I don't know. Does don't that look. mean me and my little brother have the same Pluto, or me and you... Or you and him have the same Pluto? I have questions. I now. remember looking at it, but I don't remember. I'll look it up later. That just blew my mind for some reason, because yeah. I'm almost as... Like, I'm old, just a little bit older than the whole cycle itself. Uh-huh. Sorry. That's why... See, that's one thing, like, when we talk about, like... Especially how I feel when I say I don't understand this generation under me because I'm like, and it's weird because we all have the same Pluto. It is my generation. I am technically, I think we need to drop the whole Gen Z, Gen F, and start looking at it from planets because this now makes way more sense to me. Right. Like the way we do it as a society, it's like it makes no sense. And that's why I feel like people are so confused as to what generation they're in. But if you look at it from the perspective of your Plutos and your Neptunes, like, it makes more sense to me. There's okay. also more space. You have more options. It's like it whittles it down, you know what I mean? Like, Pluto is the biggest. Then you have Neptune. Then you have Uranus. Then you have, like, it kind of goes... Right. Where you kind of get who's where and what, whatever. Astrology makes way more sense than what we do in society, is what I'm saying. Uh, agreements. <laughs> But yeah, I remember looking it up and thinking, wow, we just missed each other. By a hair. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> In the grand scheme of planets, it was by a hair. Yeah. I also find it interesting that you and I both have, uh, like, some... Because your, your Pluto is where is it, is it its natural sign. My Uranus is in its natural sign. I was like, that's, that's interesting. I wonder if... It, most people have something like that. I wonder if there's anybody who does not have a planet in the sign of rules. That would be interesting. Yeah, that'd be I'm interesting. Sure some, I'm sure that has to be. A, I mean, somebody has to, but I kind of want to know what that's like. You just made me start thinking about the number of planets I have in their natural signs for me. <laughs> and I think it's I don't a have couple. many. I have Uranus. And my Jupiter is in Pisces. Hmm. I know that too. I was like, yay. Hmm. I think that's it. I think that's all I have. I'd have to look at my chart. I haven't dived deep into it, so. I did, and then I've, I've released it. <laughs> the, I'm, I gotta let the astrology go for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so Pluto is, in high, is a higher octave of Mars. Which I feel like, yeah. Hence why Scorpios are known to be the most intense sign and also sometimes known as the evil sign. 
Because you're just... Mm. <laughs> Mars and Pluto, which are basically the same planet. Really? Pluto is just more Mars. So you really just have like 20% Mars. So Pluto asks us to transcend that which we know redeem ourselves in the process and come out stronger in the end things aren't pretty with pluto but they get good but but they get done <sighs> pluto is the planet that gives you your medicine it's the best way i can describe it. whatever your medicine is your shadow your ego pluto ensures that one day you are going to have to uh, confront all that and if you do you will come out better in the end. It is for your greater good, which honestly, is it? It always feel that way, but whatever. I think Pluto likes it a little bit. Hence, which I said, I was like, that's how I know I'm a Scorpio ascended. Cause I'm like, I don't know, I kind of like it. I kind of like going through death and rebirth, but that's me, I'm a masochist, I guess. Oh. <laughs> Before I move on to the last one, I just like that's how I feel like Scorpios are also known to be the intense sign. Whether or not you are a very stereotypical Scorpio, Scorpios are known to be those people to like dance in the chaos, to like revel in it. Everyone else is going, oh no, and Scorpios are in the back going, yes. Yes, bitch. Yes, bitch. Slay me. <laughs> <laughs> And everyone else is like, Scorpio, no! Just, like, everybody else is curling in on themselves, like, oh, God, and Scorpio is flinging their arms out, like, yes, my body is ready. <laughs> Take me, that Scorpio. So the last planet I have is Chiron, which is not a planet. Chiron is a meteor, an asteroid, a little tiny speck, <laughs> a fucking speck of dust. <laughs> um, Chiron is said to possibly rule over Scorpio or Sagittarius. Sagittarius because of the Chiron origins and who Chiron was in Greek mythology. Also Scorpio because Chiron is also dark and not friendly. Makes you take your medicine. Shoves it down your throat. It's fine. <gasps> oh no, I, I just realized that my Chiron is in Scorpio. <laughs> oh, you know, I hate my life a little bit. I'm tired of taking my medicine. Can y'all just... It's like, what karma are you trying to repay me? I was like, I just realized. I was like, not only am I a Scorpio ascendant, I have Chiron in my first house in its natural sign of Scorpio. So what does that say about me? You are... Somebody looked at my natal chart when I was bored and went, ooh, she finished struggle. Just, ooh. Not because she dumb, but just because it's just, your destiny. Just because the... She's uh, destined. The universe said uh, this one. 
We want I this. I hope that also means that I'm destined to be that bitch. Fair. Because that's what it means, right? You're supposed to come out stronger. I hope it means that it's like, yeah, you're going to struggle early in life. But the point is to be that bitch at the end. I'm like, thanks. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> thanks. I hate it. <laughs> so, Kiron was discovered in 1977. It's our newest, baby. Well... Besides all the other asteroids that I have not talked about and other moons and whatever, Kiron is the new baby. Recent baby. We did not know about Kiron until 77. And Kiron orbits betweens. Betweens? Betweens. Orbits between Saturn and Uranus. So Kiron is. I, I'm talking about Kiron last, but really, Kiron is the transitional planet between the social and the generational. Right there in the middle. So, Kiron indicates an aspect of your life where, through no fault of your own, you have been wounded in some way. Great. It makes, I recommend, I recommend that you read about Kiron in Greek mythology. It will make way more sense if you read about Kiron. He is a centaur. Read about that. It will make way more sense, to be honest. Because after I read what happens to him and this and that and the other. I'm like, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, he's been through at the first doing At first doing the research, I was like, hmm. Hence, Kiron is, the, the person, is actually the image of Sagittarius, the centaur with the bow and arrow, basically. So that's why Kiron also kind of rules over Sagittarius. Because Kiron was a centaur. Is. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a sign now, so. <laughs> he's a sign of Sagittarius now, so he's a, he's stars now. <laughs> he's a constellation. That's the word. Ah. <laughs> he is the constellation of Sagittarius. That's what I was trying to say. Long-winded, but I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> Struggling. So, if you read about his story of what happens, this planet will make way more sense. So, through no fault of your own, you have been wounded in some way. Take it from me personally, I have Kiron in my first house. That is as no through, through no fault of your own as you could get. I was about to your say, first like, house is damn. You being bored. It's literally you being bored. Which, case in point, I was a premature baby. Kiron. Thanks. <laughs> he said, you gonna come in struggling. You gonna struggle from jump. <laughs> That's fucking rude. You're gonna struggle to even live. You gotta even try to live, fam. You can't. You can't. Bro, ain't nobody like you. That's what Kiron said. Said, so you know what? She might not even make it. That's how, That's how Kiron felt. Sometimes Kiron will reflect an ancestral theme in the family passed down through generations. So, as I said, I was a premature baby. That's how I feel like Kiron manifested for me. But if you were not a premature baby and you're like, well, I have Kiron in my first house, it could be that you are coming in from jump with an ancestral, well, everyone would come in from jump with an ancestral wound, but that could also be it. Something specific in that way. And 
if you're finding that Chiron has not manifested in some way in your life, you know, it's placed in a house and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It could be ancestral, which I would recommend getting your chart read in that case. Or doing a meditation or seeing a shaman. All of the above. Here we may find ourselves taking an alternative path. We may end up feeling we have not yet achieved very much or that we do not fit in. So the placement of Kiron is where you might feel outcasted or like an outsider, which is the next sentence I wrote here. We could feel like outsiders, outcasts, and scapegoats. It, um, Kiron is the wounded healer, and wounded is in, it's like Kiron is the planet where you feel like, why hasn't anyone else experienced this? Why is it just me? Why am I the only person? You're in a group of people, but you're the only person who's experienced what you've experienced in that regard. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking the 11th house, like which is friendship. So maybe you just, you can't make friends or you have a wound there. And you're just like, why is it anybody else experiences this? Everybody else has like really great friends. And I just have A, B, C, D, or E in that regard. You're very much going to feel like it's just you. Which we all feel that way about something, of course. We all have a Chiron. Where Chiron is in your chart, you find your own individual way forward and carve a distinctive path for yourself. Here, you can capitalize on your differences and alternative point of view to offer a valuable and unique personal perspective. Chiron is where we grow to become a quote-unquote healer in our own right, mentoring and helping others and the world at large. One thing I read about your Chiron is it isn't about what is called the wounded healer. It isn't about necessarily. It is very much a place because you are wounded, you can become a healer. It's not even necessarily about healing your own wound, but it's because you understand that you can inevitably become a healer in some way for that wound. The one thing I think I saw people describing is, of course, if you've been assaulted in some way, a lot of them end up being sexual assault lawyers or judges or something because you get it. It's a little bit different than other people who have never been in that position. So you end up being a healer in some way because of that wound you carry. It's not even that you're going to heal that wound for yourself, which I find interesting and distinctive because you may still... In a way, it's saying you may still have that wound forever. It's not necessarily saying you're even going to overcome that wound for yourself, which inevitably, if you talk about the shadow and the ego, there is no such thing as getting rid of a shadow or getting rid of an ego. It's about understanding it. So it's not necessarily even that wounds are supposed to be healed, but that we should understand them. We should now have compassion for ourselves and our wounds. And that is what our Chiron helps us to do, overcome and basically use it as a strength. That's very nice. <laughs> that sucks, but also is kind of nice. Uh -uh. Pluto is very much the same. Pluto puts you through shit in the hope that you'll come out stronger, that you'll learn from it instead of getting beat down and just being a victim. 
all the planets work together because that just makes me think that is what we have a neptune and a venus for those are the planets that see the good side of things they kind of help you come out of these moments of garbage that's when you lean on them or that's when you lean on a uranus and a saturn because it helps bring you back to the 3d of like okay no this is what's really happening (laughs) or saturn is very much that planet of okay we're going through garbage this is what we can do about it saturn is very much the father figure of the way of saturn also puts you through shit but saturn is also going to help you get out of it as in this is the this is the plan like what can we do here's like you write you write so when you analyze a chart you take in all of your houses and your placements and your planets it all what is the word there's a there is synergy they bounce off of each other some of them are detrimental to others as in like saturn and neptune they don't really get along but some of them are also helpful if one of them's giving you trouble you lean on another one and that is astrology and we're done with the astrology over <sighs> i'm exhausted <laughs> As you should be. Astrology is done. It's not even done because I told you there's other asteroids and moons and there's aspects that I didn't even talk about. But we're done. I'm not doing all that. Yeah. Maybe like later. Like way later. When you've had a rest. But that's the basics. You can now go off on your own. And do it. We've done the signs, houses, and planets. You can now. I set you free. Go ahead. I release you to analyze your own chart. Goodness. And now I gotta look up when Pluto changed. Because now we have to know where your little brother is. No, seriously. (laughs) Where's that fucker? (laughs) What do you have for us? Okay. (laughs) Now I get to take a break from my homework. Yay. Oh, God. I still have so much left to do. Anyway. I am going to be talking about... I found it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I found it that quick. I found it that quick. (laughs) Wow. So, interesting. Yeah? (laughs) Okay. Wait, hold on. Let me do. I'm, I, let me listen. I'm not done. I swear. Oh, okay. I know how to. I know. I know how to read. I believe in you. <laughs> so this says Pluto entered Sagittarius on November 10th of 1995. Pluto also has gone retrograde so many times. So you, me, and Junior all have the same. Pluto, then. According to this chart, but to be fair, I have seen I have seen a different one. Hmm. Ooh. Sir, why is your name Stanley, but it's spelled like this? Oh. Let me just 
I'm, that's not what we're talking about, but I'm looking at this website and I'm just like, I'm sorry, but sir. That's interesting. Okay, I know we're talking about us, but also, Pluto went retrograde back into Sagittarius in 08. So there are some people in in the middle of us who have a Pluto in Capricorn. And then it went like back into Sagittarius and then it went back into Capricorn. What the it's fuck? in Capricorn right now. Right. So it went, it said it, it started in retro, it's, it, it has been in Sagittarius because I know when I'm born and that's my, it, hello. But it went back into Sagittarius of June 13th, 08. And it stopped in November of 08 and went back into Capricorn. So if you were born in there, you are not, you don't have a Pluto in Capricorn. You are with us, funnily enough. <laughs> Sagittarius. <laughs> Oh, that's you most were, my You cousins. are an outlier in your own generation. Damn. That's Like cold. your own peer group. Most people are going to have it in Capricorn. It started, it went into Capricorn January 25th of 08. So all you little 08 babies are Capricorn Plutos, except for some of you. And sorry. Because like, it went back, because it went back into Capricorn in November of '08. So there's a small percentage of you that were born in 2008 that are not Capricorn Plutos. Damn, that's fucking cold. <laughs> that is strange. If you feel like you don't belong in your peer group, maybe that's why. There might be a reason. So yeah, this chart actually is the same. So, actually, all three of us have Pluto and Sagittarius. Hmm. Pluto was in Scorpio from August 27th, 1984 to January 16th, 1995. Is that why me and my sister don't get along? I know we're different generations, but... (laughs) I was just looking at it, and I'm like, you're right. Oh, see, Pluto also went into Scorpio. Pluto went, oh, I see. (laughs) Pluto was in Scorpio from November 5th of 83 to May 18th of 84. So there is a small percentage of you that are born in 84 because it went, oh, yeah, Pluto went to Libra for a small percentage in 84. It went retrograde into Libra. So some of you older people, if you were born in 84, you may not, you are, you, uh, you may not have, you may not feel like you belong with some of your friends. <laughs> they have Plutos and they have Plutos and Scorpio and you don't. <laughs> Sorry. See, this is Pluto's problem. It's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, actually all three of us have it in Sagittarius. It's that leaving and coming back that you were talking about. It, I, I don't know why. It, listen, all planets go retrograde, but Pluto is just an asshole. <laughs> that's it. That's all I get. That's it. Pluto came out of Scorpio and into Sagittarius on January 16th of 95. I thought you were going to say Pluto came out of its mother and went into Scorpio. And I was like, what? No. 
Could and be its mother. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking Rhea because I was about to say yeah. Who is Pluto's mother? Yeah, that it. Yeah, it would be her. Would be her. <laughs> that beautiful big bitch in the sky. from August 27th of 84 till January 16th of 95. Then it went retrograde. Or rather... No, yeah. Doesn't matter. It was Then it was in Sagittarius from January 16th of 95 to April 20th of 95. Then it went back into Scorpio April 20th of 95 to November 10th of 95. And then it went into Sagittarius... So, I don't know what happened to Pluto. Honestly, I'm like, oh, good, good God. <laughs> and then it was in Sagittarius from November 10th of 95 until January 25th of 08. Damn, Scorpio. <laughs> what happened to you? I don't know what happened to Pluto. <laughs> I don't know what happened from Scorpio and Sagittarius. I feel like maybe it just couldn't pick. I was going to say, just couldn't choose. It likes, see, because it's actually gone into Scorpio three times. It knows. Clearly, clearly Sagittarius is where it's supposed to be because that was the longest. It it had a moment of being in Libra, but it's been like it went back and forth from Scorpio to another sign multiple times. It just wants to be in Scorpio. It knows. It knows its rightful place. Seriously. Seriously. My dad has a Pluto in Libra. That's nice. <laughs> That's nice for him. Where is my mother? <laughs> like, where is she at? Oh, that makes sense. So my mom would have my mom's would be have a Virgo Pluto. Well. Well. <laughs> well, that's nice for her. So I don't know what happened to Pluto in 95. Pluto couldn't make up its fucking mind. Just had a moment. <laughs> so right now, as I said, we have Pluto. Pluto is in Capricorn. I do know that Pluto was just... Pluto is retrograde right now. Which I feel like is not being shown on this chart, but I do know it is retrograde right now. I suppose, I mean, I don't know how far it is in Capricorn, so maybe it's just not going to move out of it. It's deep in there. But I don't have a telescope anymore, so I can't tell you. It's going to end, it's going to, oh, I see. It's also going to be in Aquarius from May 23rd of 2023 to June 10th of 2023. And then it goes back into Capricorn. And then it's going to go into Aquarius again. And then it's going to go back into Capricorn. So something I don't know. That's what I said. <laughs> I see up here, like way back in the way back, it had a moment with Cancer and Leo and Virgo. So every once in a while, Pluto, it does like a, you know how DJs like fuck with the records on DJ <laughs> things? That's Pluto. Just, just keep, 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 like it just right goes back and forth. It can't. It can't. It can't. 
if we have kids anytime soon, for between now and 2024, they're either going to have a Capricorn Pluto or an Aquarius Pluto. Just so you know. Thanks. My mom did. Anyway. My mom did try to curse me with having a kid before I came back. So. Oh. Why she say that? Girl, don't I, she know that the universe hears everything? Girl, I told you what she said. Remember? Because yeah. I told her I came off birth well, control. I forgot, but I do remember. <laughs> I came off birth control, and she said, "Well, you're gonna end up pregnant if you're not on birth control when you come back." And it's like, what? First of all. That's not how that works. But also, why would she say that? (laughs) The universe hears all. Because my mom has strong feelings about pregnancy and (laughs) people using birth control and other medical forms of birth control. So, yeah. That's why she said that. She thinks I'm going to hoe out I mean, over no, here or something. I, I mean, I understand, but that's why I said That's not even how that worked, though. There's choices that get involved yeah. in this. <laughs> and it's like she doesn't know her own daughter or something. But hoeing out is not something I'm doing over here, so... Okay, I know people don't have faith in condoms, but... I mean, I, I do. I, was I haven't had, I personally have not had an accident, so until I'm going to be, like, innocent until proven guilty, condoms exist. Even yeah. if you were hurrying out, that's still not really an excuse. I know, and I, I was thinking the same thing, too. I am the whole friend, and it happens, so. I, I was going to say, I was thinking the same thing, too. Like, do you just expect me not to... To forget to use it or something? Like, there's questions here. And when she said that, I was like, listen, Mom, I love my sister, but I'm not Amanda. And that might that might come back to haunt me. But, you know, yeah. Amanda never had a pregnancy scare while she was a teenager. So, yeah. Listen, it's a good example of how your experiences are only your experiences, and they are nobody else's experiences. I had a, I've had a friend, I won't say their name, but she had a pregnancy scare. It's not happened to me. So it's just, you know, it don't, you know, it, your experiences are personal and your own. <laughs> AKA, my mom needs to stop trying to curse people with kids. <laughs> Just because she wants more grandbabies does not mean I'm going to be the also one providing. That. Also that. You gotta have two to tango for that, Mom. Damn. Thought you knew this after four kids. Well. <laughs> should know maybe a few things, but it's okay. I won't say my mom hasn't said that to me. Yeah. Why not in the same way, but something similar. Well, my mom is old, so that's her excuse. I always forget that your mom is a bit older, older. than our, mm-hmm. my parents she's and six, your dad. Yeah, she's six years older than our parents. My parents are six years apart. Mm. So she's got six years on, on the rest of us, on the rest, <laughs> of my, on the rest of the adults. Yeah. Anyways. 
So <laughs> my topic now, uh, I'm going to be talking about lucid dreaming and I'm sure some of you are like rolling your eyes like, oh my God, this shit again. And it's like, listen, I know we talk about it a lot. I know we talk about it a lot, but we've never done a full on episode about it. So I'm getting it out of the way before we continue to talk about it more. So a lot of this information is probably going to sound repetitive because I'm sure you've heard a little bit somewhere here and there throughout the podcast. Just bear with me. We're talking about lucid dreaming. <laughs> so what is lucid dreaming? Lucid dreaming, to put it simply, um, is a dream where the dreamer is aware that they are dreaming. That's a lot of dreams in there. And you don't necessarily have to be able to control aspects of the dream to be lucid dreaming. The, the deciding factor is whether you know you are lucid dreaming during the dream or not. If you don't know that you're dreaming in the dream, you are not lucid dreaming. But recognizing that you are dreaming is the first step to the controlling part of lucid dreaming. Uh, oh, I just had a moment. <laughs> So learning how to control aspects of your dream, it, it takes practice, just like with everything else to do with witchcraft. There are some things, of course, that you'll be naturally good at, and there are some things that you won't, you will like struggle to pick up for years. Lucid dreaming might be one of these on either side of the spectrum. Either way, it takes practice to be good at it. It takes practice to decide, okay, I'm going to have a lucid dream tonight. It takes practice to do any of these things. So if it takes you a long time to lucid dream, you just have to remember, you have to have patience with it. Just like with everything else, just like with getting better at uh, meditating, just like with getting better at talking to your deities. Like it takes time, it takes practice, it takes patience. It reminds me of what I said before we even started recording, that I was like, you know, magic is not about control, it is about surrender. Exactly, which both of us struggle with. <laughs> yeah. Both of us <laughs> struggle yeah. with hard. You being on that Taurus Scorpio act. I'm a Scorpio, and they're both big signs. Yeah, I was about to say, it's because of, it's because <laughs> of the signs. Yeah. So typically, or rather, this is how it manifests for us. Our ascendance manifests through control. <laughs> you right. may not be controlling; we are controlling. Exactly. This is this is the <laughs> negative aspect that we pick up from our. Those happen to be our vices. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I can tell you how much I've been struggling with it too. Oh, well, that's a whole other day. Um, I'm not even actively Girl. doing shadow work, and I still struggle to fight against it, so. I feel like I'm being forced to do shadow work. I know. The spirit's just like, no. It's Hermes. No. <laughs> it's Hermes holding oh. your hand down to the paper. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> He's over there flickering the candle flame like, fuck you, too. He is, though. <laughs> it is flickering. <laughs> yeah, mine are, too. 
Okay. So typically, speaking of, I'm not good okay. at lucid dreaming. So it's, please, please teach me. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> T- typically, lucid dreaming is um, it occurs spontaneously or during our REM cycles. So. If you're not sleeping full nights of sleep to the point that you get into an REM cycle, which first off is very bad for your health, I will tell you that. It's very bad for your health. Your body needs you to go into REM sleep for multiple reasons and one of those is to reset your body. If you're not reaching REM sleep, you can develop health problems. So, first step is to get more sleep to get proper amounts of sleep, to reach your REM sleep. Great. For some people... I'm already failing. <laughs> for some people, this happens as um, as they're beginning to wake up, when they're between the stage, um, like stages of sleep or their cro- What I like to call it, because I like to be fancy, is crossing different realms. So you're crossing from the realm of sleep to the realm of wakefulness. I always call it, like, sleep limbo. I I call it limbo a lot, too, when I was a kid. Previously, when I was a kid. Younger. (laughs) But it is limbo. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. Anyways, so... According to new medical news today, lucid dreaming has applications in therapy such as stopping a reoccurring nightmare from happening or working through phobias, but it's also great um, like for creative activities. So you can literally do anything you want if you can lucid dream because you can have any experience, you can build any building, uh, you can go anywhere in a lucid dream, which is, it's one of the, um, what's the word? Like when you want to do something, I can't remember the word, appealing. It's one of the appealing factors oh. to learning how to lucid dream. And realistically, the only thing that hinders you in a lucid dream is yourself. So if you're like... Your own imagination. Exactly. (laughs) It's exactly that. (laughs) What was that one? There was a movie that makes me think about that. It kind of makes me think of Nanny McPhee for some reason. Anyways. And according to Healthline.com, about 55% of people have had a lucid dream in their lifetime, and about 23% have one every month. Now, those seem like weird percentages, in my opinion. So, personally, I think the other 45% of people might not grasp the definition of a lucid dream, but nobody asked my opinion, so we'll just move on that. The 23% makes sense, because if you've lucid dreamed once, you have more of a probability of lucid dreaming in your lifetime. Though 23% still kind of seems a little high for it to be once a month, but again, nobody asked my opinion. That's that's because it's all witches. 
<laughs> I'm only in my first, my third week of statistics, so don't ask my opinion about statistics. I still don't get it. So here are some ways to learn how to lucid dream, or might lead you in the direction to lucid dream. First, one of those things is to perform reality checks or reality testing throughout your day. This is a mental training. It increases your metacognition, which have similar levels when you are awake and asleep. So if you increase your levels of metacognition when you're awake, then you are increasing your levels of metacognition when you're asleep. And here is a way to do that. So you ask yourself periodically throughout the day, am I dreaming? And then you check your environment to confirm or deny whether you are or not. Uh, this can be done in a multiple, multiple different ways. But one of the most common is to look at a clock because in a dream, um, like time doesn't matter in a dream. So a clock's not going to work in a dream. Some people will post time up. Time is an illusion. Exactly. Time is an illusion. It doesn't fucking matter. Anyway. <laughs> Some people will post up a sign that says things like, can you read this? And in your dream, you won't be able to read it. Yes, that's that's why. Can you imagine walking into somebody's room? You make a friend, or you're dating someone, and they just have a thing, like above, like like just somewhere, just says, "Can you read this?" And you're just like, "What the fuck?" I I have one why on my you, closet door. <laughs> why do you have that? <laughs> I have or one on my closet if you're door because to I us, get... you would be like, "You're trying to lucid dream." <laughs> Well, I put mine up because I get sleep paralysis. So, like, that's fair. That that's one way people who get sleep paralysis will calm themselves down because if they can't read the sign, they're like, "Cool, it's just a dream." And while it's still scary, it'll be less scary because you know it's not real. Mm. Anyway, I would say not that it's not real, but it's not your physical body. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, that's a better way to put it. Well, because I feel like, like if you if you're doing a meditation or you have a dream and you go to a different realm, I fully believe that that's real. But your your physical body is not there; it is your astral body. Fair enough. Straight, fair enough. I probably I probably <laughs> get sleep paralysis every time I like astral project and my soul gets sent back to my body, and I'm just like <laughs> waking For up. Sure. And uh, continuing with that, so when you're doing these things, you want to notice your consciousness and how you're engaging with your surrounding world. So some people will like press their hand to a wall to see if their hand will go through the wall or if the wall is solid. Some people will touch their opposite hand to make sure they, you know, don't phase through themselves. Things like that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh god that would make me terrified yeah well I'm, I'm sure after a while that's not scary but at first if you went and your hand went through oh my god I could just imagine Hello. the face it'd be the Pikachu face <laughs> just <laughs> just <laughs> Adam <laughs> 
to the, more to do a reality check. Um, you can set an alarm to remind you to do your re reality check every two to three hours. Um, and some other forms of doing this are checking your reflection to make sure you still look the same. Because you will typically not look the same in a dream as you do in the waking world. Um, and one of the other ones that I found, which was interesting, is that you can pinch your nose closed and like hold your mouth shut and see if you can still breathe. If you can still breathe when you're doing that, then you're dreaming. What? Yeah. I don't know if I want to lucid dream. I don't know, man. <laughs> Phasing. I'm still breathing. I want to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Movie me. You're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Next um, method is the wake back to bed method. So to do this, you set an alarm for five hours after going to bed, which is a uh, that's typically how long I sleep on a daily basis. So uh, this one would not Same. work for me. Um, you set an alarm for five hours after going to bed, and then obviously you go to sleep. Please. Don't just set an alarm and then lay there and not go to sleep. That'd be weird. <laughs> For five hours, you just laid there? I would hope your body would naturally shut down and tell you to fuck off. <laughs> they say it takes 15 minutes. Yeah, that sounds about right. They say 15 minutes of, of non-movement is when you fall asleep. Weird. I can typically yeah, remember the moment yeah. when I fall asleep. And I know it's been a bad day when I can't remember the moment I fall asleep. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> um, once you wake up after that five hours, stay up for 30 minutes after the alarm goes off doing something calm like reading. Reading a book. Don't like pick up your phone and read because you're just going to wake yourself up completely. Like pick up a book, write something, journal. You know, do your dream journal. That's a perfect time to do it. I'm sure you dreamt in that time period. And then once the 30 minutes is done, go back to sleep. The one thing I will say, though, is stuff like this is probably going to increase your chances of sleep paralysis. So if you get scared in sleep paralysis, you might not want to do this one. It's... For somebody who's experienced a lot of sleep paralysis, I can recognize it. All the time. it. Uh, God, I recently almost had it. Like, there will be times when I wake up with sleep paralysis, or I'm starting to fall asleep and I start to get sleep paralysis, and I will recognize it and be able to force myself to move to break the sleep paralysis. Though it's really hard to do. Like, it's so uncomfortable. Because everything move, feels like you're moving through molasses. So even if you're just trying to twitch a finger, it takes so much concentration and effort. This was not a sleep paralysis episode. If you're scared of sleep paralysis, I would not recommend the methods that disrupt your sleeping patterns. Because that is typically going to cause sleep paralysis. Thanks, I'll avoid them. <laughs> I don't want sleep paralysis. I have never heard anybody say anything good about it, so I have not experienced it. I don't want to. I don't intend to. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. Like, I've never... 
like, I've never woken up with, a lot of people say, talk about how they wake up with something, like, uh, something sitting on their chest or, like, staring down at them, like, actual physical beings. Most of mine are not actual physical beings. Most of them are, like, shadows in the corners and stuff like that. Um, I specifically remember when I was a kid, I woke, woke up with sleep paralysis, but I obviously I didn't know that it was that. I was like four. I woke up with sleep paralysis and I thought there was a hippo in the corner by my door and I thought it was going to come and eat me. And that's the first one I remember, like the first episode of sleep paralysis I remember because like I was just laying there and freaking out until I was like, okay, well, you have to move because it's either going to be the hippo who's going to come and get you or you're going to run. So I like made myself move and I broke the sleep paralysis. And as soon as I broke the sleep paralysis, I realized it was just a pile of clothing my sister had left by the door. It's, it was not a hungry, hungry hippo. It was not a hungry, hungry hippo. But typically for me, my sleep paralysis do not include actual physical bodied beings there. Most of mine are shadows, ghosts, the bugs, stuff like that. Uh, when oh I was God, a, bugs. Oh, God, that's worse. It, I'd rather see a person. I, I, I agree with you because then I cannot sleep because I think there's going to be bugs in my bed. <laughs> Point being, when I was a teenager, though, I didn't have bug dreams. I, more, um, I slept more on my stomach at the time, and that caused me to have a lot of sleep paralysis for some fucking reason. If I remember correctly, that does not typically happen to people who sleep on their stomach. They don't typically get sleep paralysis. But I that's used why to, I, You know, honestly, that's why I used to sleep on my stomach a lot. Because I heard that you can't get it that way. So I was like, cool. Well, well I know how I'm going to sleep. <laughs> well, for me, it didn't work. Because uh, <laughs> I would either be falling asleep or I would wake up in the middle of the night. And it would feel like somebody was pressing down in, like pressing me into the mattress um, and like I would look at the wall because you can still move your eyes I would look at the wall and I would see a shadow like sitting on top of me so for me <laughs> that didn't work I still got the sleep paralysis <laughs> damn anyway that's why I said that you need to do you're, you're like is there a dream witch if there is, that's what you are. Because you, I don't know, I feel like you you slink into the astral really easy. I feel like you always have sleep paralysis. Yeah, it was not like... Not that I know. We don't sleep together, so not that I know, but I could, like, hear you talking and such, and I'm like, you always have sleep paralysis, I feel. You could hear me talking, you could hear me throwing my yeah. weighted blanket when I woke up with sleep paralysis. There were a few times where I was watching YouTube videos and I'd hear you wake up and go, what is that? What the fuck? <laughs> like, literally. And I was just like, oh, is she okay? Hello? I specifically remember the one time I jumped out of bed and threw my weighted blanket onto the floor. I felt like a cartoon character the way I sprung up, so. <laughs> I've heard you throw stuff or, like, turn your light on. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> there was one time when I was sleeping, um, when I was uh, younger, I think me and Sam were in eighth grade or something, and I was, we were sharing a bed, and I woke up, and for some reason she had this Elmo doll with her. I think she had gotten oh, it for, like, yeah, and it spoke. That's the worst part. Oh, um, one of them. 
she had it for some reason, like her aunt or something had gotten it for her birthday, and I was like, you are 13 years old. Why are they giving you a fucking Elmo doll? Point being is we were sharing this bed, and the Elmo doll was between us, and I had already woken up with sleep paralysis earlier that night because I woke up from a, a very good dream, and I was very confused <laughs> about what was going on. Because that hadn't happened to me before. Right. That, that, that was like the second time it had happened. Not that it... Mm-hmm. The first time it happened, I also got sleep paralysis, and then I immediately got a Charlie horse. So... <laughs> <laughs> Good dream ruined. That sounds like the worst. Not only did you have sleep paralysis, but you also had a Charlie horse. I immediately got a charlie horse because i was like clenching my body so hard and it was straight down the back of my thigh god it hurt so much and i had never had one before i thought i was dying (laughs) (laughs) but these were right Uh, next to each other (laughs) like that was in seventh grade and then the one with sam was in eighth grade or somewhere around that similar time point being is i woke up from a very good dream that had Agent Booth in it, and it's a very interesting dream. Um, and I woke up to this Elmo doll fucking talking. No, dude. And I was, no. obviously, I was paralyzed, so I couldn't do anything. All I heard was it going, let's be friends. And I, <laughs> as, as soon as I could move, I fucking chucked that thing across the room and it hit the opposite wall shut the fuck up and i went back to bed <laughs> oh my god that sounds like the start of a horror movie oh my god no that would have been my first my first one of those ty- types of dream because i remember i would i had just gotten my period that was the first time i got my period and i was sleeping at well just wait for when i talk about the sacral chakra because it's all gonna make sense my god I was, I was sleeping at Sam's house because her aunt was providing me with products because I didn't want to talk to my mom. I didn't want to talk to my mom, and I didn't want to talk to my sister. I didn't want to admit that I had gotten my period. I think we've had this conversation before, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was se- sixth grade, and then the one with the Charlie horse happened in seventh grade. So they were still right next to each other, just flopped a little bit. The other way. The other way. Anyways... Sleep paralysis. That's why I'm saying... I know, we're talking about lucid dreaming, but that's why I'm saying... And, of course, your next topic is good for this, because I'm saying the whole disassociating in the mirror and the sleep paralysis. I don't know what your astral body is always trying to leave. No, no, honestly, it said, I don't like it here. Let's go somewhere else. And it's like, I wish I could do that on purpose. Your astral body is always trying to be somewhere else. (laughs) Your astral body knows where the party's at, I guess. Girl, no. You gotta listen to the um, that one episode I was telling you about for the other podcast. Because they were just talking about the the one who has a Leo, um, uh, a Leo son. How she's always, like, just floating. <laughs> and the one with the Leo rising is purposely doing astral projection stuff. And I was like... Jesus Christ, this is it. This is why. Like, because you're ruled by the sun? Not even, like, the sun part, but that that's your planet? Is that Maybe that has something to do with it. 
I don't, I don't know. know why that association is making me think that, but I'm like, that is the biggest astral body. Maybe that's why. It's the, the, like that. You guys are like sunflowers, you know, like the facing the sun part. Maybe your yes. bodies are always trying to do something. I don't know. To grow <laughs> taller, but we can't. So we but you can't. pull out to grow taller. Hey, you know, um, 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 Shanetta was a Leo too. Maybe she has episodes about that. Maybe she's ever talked about that. I'll have to look. For herself. Hmm. I've never heard her say anything, but now that makes me think. Maybe you do some research. Leo's and astral projection. (laughs) Honestly, it makes me want to, um... That's part of the reason I want to do, like, a professional astral chart... Astral chart? Birth chart reading? Because the, like... The way the lady was describing it and explaining it to them, I was like, oh my god. It makes so much sense. <laughs> I do feel like that was like, I remember talking about it for the 12th house and talking about how you can find your magic there or something like that. Sounds like a correspondence to me. That sounds like a place where you would find like magical gifts right. on top of other places. That being said, I did want to start doing that. I know I just said the astrology's done. But I, that is something that interests me, because I, like, like, thinking of Scorpio for myself, is, like, Scorpios are known to be, like, magical and whatever. They do say people born on Halloween are known for being psychic. So I wonder, we should start doing signs and their magical correspondence. That's so I never cool. thought about Leos, but maybe that's what Leos naturally all are astral projection-y. Hmm. Have that, a strength in the astral body. That'd be interesting to do. It makes me think yeah. about the um, the alcoholic it, drinks one that we were talking about, too. Like, uh-huh. doing. That'd be interesting. Yeah. It makes me also think of how, like, we were just talking about how I feel like I'm naturally good at tarot where you as feel otherwise. But I'm like, well, I am a Scorpio ascendant. No, Maybe okay, wait. <laughs> because, like, so my 12th house is in Cancer. I'm a little water baby. Yeah. With Mars there? Anyway. And I remember... Not, you know what? It's fine. The planets... Ignore her for a second. <laughs> ignore them. No, it ma- it makes me think to the episode that I was listening to, and it I feel like one of them had a cancer ascendant. Mm. Obviously, it was not the <laughs> one who has a Leo ascendant. <laughs> oh, no, she, she had a water ascendant. It was a Pisces ascendant. I was about to say, Pisces is that, because I just told you, I just said, Neptune was the sign of dreamland. If you have Pisces in a strong place, you spiritually may be inclined to meditation very well, or lucid dreaming, or astral projection, visiting other realms. If you have a strong Pisces placement, you're welcome. (laughs) What was Pisces house again? I can't remember. Pisces rules over the 12th house. Oh, okay. Anyway. Hence, you know. Hence, you know, makes sense. Anyway, away from my astrology. I remember, well, hold on, because I do remember, if you go back to our episode of the 12th house, I do remember touching on it a little bit. So, watch, you listen to that. Go, go off from this one and listen to that as well. We've talked about them. We have. Binge watch. Binge, binge listen. listen. <laughs> binge listen to us. Oh, God. We've talked Could you about hear? these things before. 
Could you imagine if we recorded these? What a nightmare. I'd look like a bag all the time. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if we did, we would put in some effort. Maybe. Most of the time... Fair to us. Most of the time, I just... <laughs> Most of the time, I just roll out of bed and <laughs> and call you. Well, I don't look any better. So I, I feel like if we did record, we would probably... Attempt. I feel like, you know what, it would feel more like a... Not like... I don't want to say job, because that sounds negative, but job. Yeah. It would feel more like like an activity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Back to the lucid dreaming. So going on from the wake, girl, to connect the two. Well, I know, but to connect the two, if you have a a water sign there or an air sign there, I think you would probably be more inclined for lucid dreaming. Yeah. Personally. Go ahead. Thanks. (laughs) Well, I'm now. I try to connect the two. Go ahead. Um. So moving on from the wake wake back to bed method. It, this next one is also one that fucks with your sleep schedule. It's called the mnemonic induction of lucid dreaming, which is, or lucid dreams, I should say, which is the acronym MILD. So the way that you do this is you think of a recent dream as you fall asleep. You identify a dream sign or something that's irregular or strange in a dream. So this is where I'm going to mention the one book that I always mention and I always go back to. So Ronan in The Raven Cycle, the way he, he has a, he has psychopomps, which help him dream, which help him focus his dreams. This is essentially the same thing that's going on here. Um, his psychopomps were this little girl named Opal who had little goat legs and his raven. And if he was in a dream, he knew that he could find Opal there and she would. That was his dream sign, was Opal in his dreams. It makes me think of, um, you just talked about Insidious before. Or no, Inception, not Insidious. Insidious is a horror movie. Inception. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so after you identify your dream sign... Think about returning to the dream and acknowledge the dream sign that the dream sign can only happen in the dream. Then tell yourself, the next time I dream, I want to remember that I am dreaming and recite that as you fall asleep. For me, this is not a method. I've tried this method and it keeps me awake rather than helping me fall asleep. Like the fact I'm focusing on something keeps me awake. So I tend not to use this method, but if that's not something that bothers you as you fall asleep, go right ahead. It's suggested that combining mild with the WBTB method seems to work the best. Um, But again, just remember, you're disturbing your your sleep schedule, and if you do that for long term, you will have side effects. And these are methods that tend to lead to sleep paralysis. I would say the mnemonic method is going to more readily lead you to sleep paralysis when you're falling asleep. And the mild method is, or not the mild, but the uh, wake back to bed is going to more readily lead you to sleep paralysis when you're waking up. 
because the the whole point of sleep paralysis is that your brain is awake but your body has fallen asleep that's why you can't move during sleep paralysis it's because your body shuts down during the REM cycle so you don't move when you're sleeping obviously that doesn't like that mechanism doesn't work for people who have who sleepwalk but that is what it's there for and that's why sleep paralysis happens is because your brain wakes up <clears throat> before your body wakes up or your body falls asleep before your brain falls asleep another thing that you can do is uh, you can keep a dream journal you can meditate meditation is never gonna go away I keep saying it I'm pretty sure I wrote it down in all four of these notes that I did today <laughs> and you can so this is another method is the wake initiated lucid dreaming which is acronym wild wild <laughs> wild <laughs> So this is when you directly enter a lucid dreaming from waking life. And the way that apparently you do this is that you lie down and you re relax until you have a hy um, hypno hypnagogic, God, that's such, it's basically a hallucination. You start having hallucinations, which is sleep paralysis. <laughs> and this is obviously the most difficult technique to learn but your chances of actually doing it will be increased if you practice the other two uh, essentially you're teaching your body how to enter sleep paralysis with this one and I'm not a fan I'm not gonna do that so if people have tried this go on and like email us and tell us about your experience but otherwise I don't want to I don't want to touch it I don't want to look at it I want nothing to do with it <laughs> and uh, that's what I have for lucid dreaming well yeah well. Wow. I suppose well, <laughs> I suppose, like, if you wanted to get better, which I might, I might now do, is like read the Raven Cycle and all of the books that have Ronan in them, and watch Inception. Yep. Yeah. I think they do use some of these methods in Inception. Well, it made me think of like his like spinning top thing when you were talking about like Opal and stuff. Right. It's like, isn't that the point? That's like the, it's the key. It's the thing that keep. it's the, whatever. His dream sign. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Not, not the word I was going to, I was going to say something else, but I, yeah. The dream sign. And, and in the Raven cycle, Ronan often wakes up with sleep paralysis. If he brings something out of his dream, oh God. like after lucid dreaming, he brings something out of his dream. He wakes up with sleep paralysis, which is no bueno because sometimes he brings out things that want to kill him. But that's something he's working through. God, poor Adam. No, liter literally poor Adam. Waking up with fucking murder crabs in his bed? Nah. I'd be like, listen. You gotta sleep somewhere else, dude. You cannot be bringing murder life. crabs into my bed. <laughs> it's like, I love you, but I don't love you. Like, you gotta sleep somewhere else. <laughs> But yes, like it lit, literally, if you want to learn more about lucid dreaming, read every book 
that has Ronan in it because it will give you insight. Yes, his portion, his type of lucid dreaming is magical lucid dreaming because he can bring stuff out of his head, but that does not mean the fact that he needs to be present and cognizant in his head cannot apply to you. It can, and yeah. it, it makes sense, honestly. We already talked about it, manifestation, and now we're here for dreaming. Now we're here for dreaming because they're linked. Anyway, what, what kind of media do you but have? I, before I continue on with this. Well, let me, I will say at the end, I will say I probably will watch Inception for the whole dream science thing. Cause that's probably what I will try to do. Yeah. To fair. Be fair. That sounds like the, one of the things I'm like, I think I could do that one. I have Libra in my 12th house. So I just said air science might be good at it. However, I feel like I dream very well. I'm definitely one of those people you said at the way beginning that, feel like they start when they're waking up. I feel that all the time. I feel a lot more lucid when I feel myself waking up and I'm just like, oh, I'm almost there. I can, like, touch it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I am so close to lucid dreaming because as I get older, I'm, like, noticing at the end of the dream that I'm like, am I dreaming? Hmm. And then I wake up and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot for me... <laughs> Mine, mine often happens in the middle of the dream, but I've had very few dreams where I can actually influence what's going on. Mo like, I've never really been able to influence the events that are happening, mm -hmm. but in the moments I have been able to lucid dream, I've been able to affect the area. Like, I can turn something to a different color, or I can make a wall appear. But most of my lucid dreaming experience... Um, has to do with the fact that I just know that I'm awake in the dream. Like, I know that I'm dreaming. And I can recognize things yeah. that are weird in the dream because they that wouldn't be happening in real life. But otherwise, I don't have, like, control over them. It'd be nice to have control over them, but honestly, I, I, I'm on the more side of trying to learn how to astral project on command. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, they're they're closely linked either way. So, yeah, if you learn I how to... I definitely think one might strengthen the other. Yeah, if you learn how to lucid dream, there's probably keys in lucid dreaming that help you astral project. So. I definitely have had moments, like you said, in the middle. I've definitely had dreams where I, I can say right now that I was not conscious, but it's almost like um, a switch goes off. Because those are when I end up remembering the dream. Right. It's sort of like they're, they're like, I know I'm dreaming before I start remembering the dream, of course. But there are certain moments where it feels like a switch goes off. And I'm just a bit more conscious to where that's the part of the dream I remember. And it almost feels like I could just, like I'm so close. Because I almost feel like I can acknowledge that I'm dreaming. Right. It's a very weird spot to be in. Like, I find it's hard to describe. Because it's like, how do you not... So, like, how do you not know you're dreaming? Like, I don't know. I never say it in my dream. Or I never... It never clicks. Like, oh, I'm dreaming. And I can control things. But it's, like, almost. Yeah, it never clicks start, fully until, like, you're awake and you're thinking back on it. Yeah, it's like I go, oh, shit. I kind of could feel that I could feel I was dreaming. Like, I could have said it. Or I could have been like, oh, I'm dreaming. But I just can't yet. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I get it. So, I know. I know you get it. 
You're probably one of the only people who really gets it. I feel like sometimes I'm talking to my dad and he's like, what the fuck are you saying? What the fuck? What is coming out of your my mouth? Mom, my grandpa, though. So my grandpa is a Christian pastor. But he talks about dreams a lot. He is definitely one of those people who says, oh, I dreamt about you and I saw you in my dreams. And I'm just like, it's me and grandpa. Me and grandpa got this connection. We know. I agree. We know. Junior, Junior <laughs> is um, strong on that part, too. I think we got it from my dad because Jacob isn't and Amanda isn't. So I think we definitely got Your it from dad, my dad. Yeah. And my dad also... Um, well, he's he's had lots of sleep paralysis himself and has lucid dreaming, and he's talked to me about his lucid dreams before. So I'm pretty sure we just inherited inherited it from him. But uh, the reason I say that is because Junior has had dreams of like Riley. Like Riley used to get have really bad nightmares when she was a baby, like when she was three, two to three ish. And um, we're pretty sure it's because. Robbie had his uncle's ashes in the house, uh, and we're thinking she was picking up on that. But point being is that, um, like, Riley would have a dream about Junior. Like, she would have be having a nightmare, and then Junior would appear in her dream and take her to somewhere better, somewhere not scary. And then in the morning, she'd tell Amanda about that, and then Junior would, like, text and be like, hey, I dreamed about Riley last night, I miss her, and blah, blah, blah. No, that is, okay, you just made me click. That is what I want. (laughs) Right? I want to do that. It'd be, that's like, I don't, so that's why I think that lucid dreaming and astral projecting are so closely linked because honestly, in a lucid dream, you're probably just going to a different realm, like a different dimension. That's always how I've seen it. That is literally, I feel like that's always how I've seen it. And that's how I feel. I've had a couple of meditations where I could, I don't, I don't want to say I astral projected completely, but it definitely felt like I was not in my body. Right. You got it's like floaty and stuff. Way. Yeah. Like I felt like I was like floating or something like, ugh. Honestly, I love that feeling, but it kind of scares me because when I was a little, like, when I was little, little, I would get that feeling, and then I would end up in a nightmare, typically. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. It reminds me of swimming. Yes. To me, it's the same as being, as floating in water. It feels exactly the same to me. Well, like, I didn't know that I was terrified of drowning, But I would, like, I would have, as I was falling asleep, I would have the sensation of floating in water. So, obviously, I wasn't scared at the time. Like, like it would feel like I, and when I was starting to wake up, it would feel like I was floating down through the water back to my body. That, listen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. It's all coming together. Listen. We know one of your next topics. You have to talk about astral projection now. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me write, hold on, let me write that down while we're still fucking around. Ooh. Well, because that's how I feel like when everybody talks about like soulmates and stuff, I'm like, that's what I want. I want to be able to travel through realms and see other people. Yes. That's what I want. Yes. 
I want to go to Atlantis. I want to go to everywhere, and I want to, like, meet my soulmate. I'm straight up going to walk in his dream. Like, hello? Where are you at? Knock, 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 bitch. <laughs> where do you live? And he's going to be like, what do you mean? Like, literally, right now, where are you? Uh, Indiana. Cool. Ew. <laughs> Unlock your door. No, but I'm just saying. Like, Unlock your door. Like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they wake up and they're like, who the fuck was that? What the fuck? I'm going to lock my door. <laughs> they just put like three locks on there. They're like, who the fuck was that? There's like three padlocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh. What's your media, homie? Oh. Well, speaking of. I just, I just glimpsed the plot, the overview. So I want to talk about Charmed. Uh Uh-huh. Because just like, you know, the cult and, you know, Hocus Pocus and all of these movies, Charmed, I watched, me and my mom used to watch this all the time. And I don't know how often we've talked about this on the pod. I know we've talked about this. So let's bring it up. I think we've talked about it a bit a few times but both of our moms used to be much more magically inclined when we were kids yeah and this is one of those things me and my mom would always watch this together so it's very nostalgic for me it was very much one of those things where i was like i want to be a witch and have a like spooky book and you know sit in my attic and do spells with my sisters that I don't have, but I want to do this. So Charmed is a series that has been revived. Uh, you can watch the revival if you want to. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, it, its original release was from 98 to 06, so it's a bit of an older one. An oldie but a goodie. And it's about three sisters who did not know they were sisters. They did not know they existed. They sure as fuck didn't know they were witches. <laughs> and, or rather, they did not, you know what? They did not know they were witches. I don't even want to say they didn't know they existed. But definitely the whole, hey, you come from a, you know, generation and generation and generation of witches. Yeah, that, mm-mm. just, <laughs> I feel like that's something we're going to stumble upon. I feel like we're going to look at our ancestors and one or two of them are going to be straight up witches. No. Not debatable, but like actual. Yeah. Certifiable. Like literally have people talking about them in town, like that witch down there. (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen that forest witch? Oh, seriously. This is what I'm going to find when I manage to get into my next topic. What well, I'm going to find when I kick down the doors. <laughs> Speaking of lucid dreaming and astral projection, that's another thing. I want to be able to visit my ancestors. That'd be cool. I Yeah. I felt that way watching me and my father just watch Black Panther, which he visits. they visit their ancestors. That's part of the ritual. And I'm sitting here like, I want to do that. I want that. And in, and in Thor, when um, Odin dies, Thor sees him again. 
Right. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, I want to do this. I want to be visited by my ancestry. Please. Please. This is what I ask. Please. So, the Charmed Ones come from a long line of witches. Um, it says right here that one of their ancestors, Melinda, before she was burned at the... Yeah, burned. I, for a second, I heard something else in my own mouth. <laughs> before she was burned at the stake, she vowed that each generation of Warren witches would become stronger and stronger, culminating in the arrival of three sisters, the most powerful witches the world has ever known, the Charmed Ones. These three. Phoebe, Rue, and Piper. And then Paige, because things happen. So, I'm not going to spoil it. Well, you have to watch. The setting is in in San Francisco. The actual house, it says right here on the wiki, the actual house is uh, in Los Angeles. Oh. So. All three sisters get together. Some events happen to where they have to get together and use their magic, and they are stronger together than they are apart, and they have to fight evil, demons and warlocks and other evil creatures. And so Prue has the power of telekinesis, and she develops the power of astral projection, as we've been talking about. Piper has the power to freeze people and objects in time. Or, you know, stop time. It's an illusion anyway. <laughs> and she develops the efficiency to freeze people's body parts. Or only certain objects. So at first it's the whole thing. The whole enchilada. Then eventually she could just, you know, freeze your arms so you can't grab a, a mythical weapon or something. Um, it says in season three, she also is able to cause evil beings or objects to explode. I do remember that. <laughs> I do remember. And then Phoebe has premonition. Phoebe was my favorite. Miss Alyssa Milano. I love her. If you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phoebe was my favorite because she did the whole premonition thing. She could see, she received visions. I actually don't know if that's ever an ability that I can cultivate. I would like to. That is my favorite shit. That's so Raven, Miss Phoebe. I want that. I want visions. Damn. <laughs> she later develops the power of levitation, and she becomes an empath. Makes sense. In season six. Yeah. Yeah. Those track. Yeah. So then Paige comes after season three, and she was a secret love child between the witchy mom, their mummy, and a white lighter, which are guardian angels. They're called white lighters. They're like angels. Do you watch Supernatural? This is their cast. That's, this is this for them. Yeah, Wyatt's their cast. Yeah. But I like him. Well, I like both of them. Cass is just funny, but right. I like Wyatt as, like, an actual full-fledged character person. Yeah, I do, too. 
So, well, I'm not there yet, so. Because <laughs> he, we haven't gotten to him yet. So she's half white lighter, which means that her, her powers are interesting. She can also do telekinesis, but she has to verbally call for objects to teleport. So she has to say it. And eventually she learns how to teleport herself and others and how to heal others because she's half white lighter. And eventually, as half a white lighter, she receives a charge, which is what they're called. That's what light, white lighters, that's why they're guardians. They have charges that she trains and protects. And she can also glamour, which is shape-shifting, which is something we have not talked about yet on the pod. Glamouring. Shape-shifting. Vampires are good at that. Fairies. <laughs> Glamouring. So... That we have all these big bads, I we ain't gonna talk about them, cause I don't care. <laughs> what? Please um, watch the show because that's a lot. Yeah, just watch them. It's that's a lot, a lot of going to. So then Piper gets with our white lighter, Mr. Leo Wyatt. Yeah. They have two kids. They have two babies. That is together. Piper was my favorite. I like Piper too. Phoebe was my favorite, but Piper. I think well, Piper was my favorite because she was the grown-up of the three. Yeah. Like, she was the most mature of the three, and that's why I liked her so much. Uh-huh. Anyway. So, uh, at first, their relationship is a struggle because it's forbidden for witches and white lighters to be together, but then eventually they get married, and they have babies. It says... The final episode of Charmed shows them to have a daughter, many grandchildren, and to grow old together in the future. Oh, wow. So ultimately, they have two sons and a daughter. Aww. Their, their second son becomes evil, so we just, we have to... We, we don't talk about him. We don't, <laughs> we don't talk about him. So this is very much... Um... Just good old, good. I say good old fashioned, like witch fiction. But like, I mean, you know what happens. It's like, like I said, we've seen it. We've seen Hocus Pocus and Practical Magic, and it's like, it's like, it's like all of them. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Practical Magic. Yeah. So if you are as old as us, <laughs> you watch this. You, this is probably a show for you as well, where you went, oh yeah, that. I wanna. I want a really special Victorian house and do all this and this and this. Same. Same. But I know I talked about, like, twitches before. This was, like, I have a handful of things, and Charmed is one of the things. It's very special because I used to watch it with my mommy. (laughs) As I did, too. Yeah. Previously, I mean, there's not much to say about witches. What do you have? Uh, what do you use your media? Okay, well, I struggled with this one, as I've already told you. Same. Um, I struggled to find something that was not the Dream Thieves, because I wanted to talk about it so bad. I got it in, but... We did. <laughs> but, yeah, as you can tell, that's, like, my go-to when it comes to dreaming. But, instead... I'm going to talk about talk about Doctor Sleep, 
which the movie recently came out, not like this year recently, but recently enough to still be called recently. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's the second book to The Shining. So Stephen King wrote a book too. Second book to The Shining. The book is good. I listened to it. Which he's not always one to do. Yeah, that's not like a common Stephen King thing to do. I don't think. Yeah, he usually just, you know, writes 1,500 pages instead. Yeah. Fucking it. Anyway. Yeah. So, if you don't know anything about Doctor Sleep, I hope you know something about The Shining, because I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> just know that if you've watched The Shining, it, the main character of Doctor Sleep is the little boy from The Shining. He's, um, in the movie, he's played by Ewan McGregor. You know, I love him. I love you and McGregor. I love him so much. And there is a little girl that he has to try to save because of things that are trying to take her shining, just like they were when he was in the hotel. So, Dr. Sleep is a 2019 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Mike Flanagan, that's an unfortunate last name. It is based on the 2013 novel of the same name by Stephen King, which is a sequel to the King's... To, to the King's? Two King's 1977 novel, The Shining. Wow, he really did that, wow. didn't he? I remember Dr. Sleep coming out as a book. Like, I remember seeing it everywhere in Barnes & Noble. Yeah, I do too. But I just realized, like... He released it at the same amount of time that the kid would have grown up. Like, they should be around the same age. Uh-huh. Weird. Anyway. That is, you know, let's not even get into Stephen King. Let's not even... He plays the long game. He do. Okay, so the film, which also serves as a direct sequel to the 1980 film adaption The Shining directed by Stanley Kubrick, is set yeah. several decades after the events of the original and combines elements of the 1977 novel as well. Ewan McGregor plays the lead as lead role as Danny Torrance, a man with psychic abilities who struggles with childhood trauma. Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran, Cliff Curtis, and Carl Lumbly. That's unfortunate also have supporting roles. In the film, Dan Torrance, now an adult, must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, whose members prey on children who possess the Shining to extend their own lives. Uh, what else do I want to say about this? Um, so I'll talk about the plot a little bit. That was a little bit of the plot, but I'll, I'll read like the first two paragraphs of the plot. This one actually looks like a plot summary where most of the ones we've seen recently look like the entire book condensed no, like, into literally. six paragraphs. This is four like, paragraphs and they are small. 
So in 2011, Dan Torrance, still traumatized from his family's 1980 ordeal at the Overlook Hotel, lives in a New Hampshire town and drinks alcohol to suppress his shining. He is recovering through Alcoholics Anonymous and becomes a hospice orderly, where he uses his shining to comfort dying patients, who nickname him Dr. Sleep. Meanwhile, the True Knot, a cult of psychics led by Rose the Hat, extend their lifespans by consuming steam, a psychic essence released by torturing and killing those who have the shining. In, ni- in 2019, the True Knot are starving as steam has become increasingly rare. The- they torture a boy to death for steam, which is sensed by Abra Stone, a young girl whose shining is even greater than dance. She telepathically alerts Dan about the murder, but Rose senses Abra in the process. Rose projects her consciousness across the country and infiltrates Abra's mind, but is physically injured by a psychic trap set by Abra. Rose sends the remaining members after Abra Abra for steam. So, essentially, the, the basic plot of this is that Abra and Dan have a large amount of psychic ability. And that translates into food for these beings. And when they don't have that food, they start to wither and they die and so on and so forth. Abra is kick-ass, I will say that. (laughs) Oh, when she finds her inner self, girl. Boy. that, that, That lady... Rose, she should have just run. She should have just run. She should have just not. Because it was it was a bad it was bad news bears for her. Because then she had two people with with high amounts of shining after her ass, both Abra and Dan. So the reason I bring this up is because of some of the sequences that are in the movie. When Dan starts to, like, realize that he should be helping Abra because he really tries not to get involved because he doesn't he doesn't want to risk getting killed for his shining, essentially. And he doesn't want Abra to risk getting killed for her shining because she shines so brightly. Like, he doesn't want to add his to hers and make them essentially a giant fucking beacon for anything that wants to kill them. It doesn't work because Abra, you know, she's a she's a young girl. She does what she wants. Start as middle school girls are want to do. Yeah. And you know, they band up together, but they originally start talking psychically like I mentioned, and in uh, some of the scenes what he does, the one that I'm remembering right now, is where he's up in his apartment and he has the blackboard wall and he writes high on the blackboard wall and that's how he starts to contact her. Like, he starts to meditate on that and they start to communicate that way. It's very interesting. I do like the way that they did it. Yeah. In all honesty, I don't remember much from the book. I do remember that it seems to follow the book pretty closely, as most of Stephen King's movies, like, novel-to-movie adaptions seem to do. Um, 
But it yeah. was a very long book, as Stephen King is also wont to do. And, uh, yeah, I have memory issues sometimes, so... <laughs> but, as someone who loves The Shining, I would say I'm sure, because I've never read The Shining as a book, but I've seen the movie so many times. And even though it's called The Shining, I will dead say the movie does not spend too much time on the actual Shining, so you're better off reading the book if that's what you're looking for. Yeah, because... It's a good horror movie, so if you like horror movies, uh, girl, I don't care. Watch it. But if you were, like, if you are somebody who listens to us and takes our recommendations and then, like, watches and reads and does what we say, thank you. Uh But you're probably better off reading the book to get some to more some more shining information about the actual ability. Yeah, because he does it a bit in the movie. But it's almost like it's um not that it's glossed over, but that it's not elaborated on cuz he does in the movie and the hotel is all about psychic energy. But yeah. it's not really talked about is what I'm saying. Yeah, I I it's do remember I do remember listening to the book and then watching the movie and not really understanding why they coincided together besides the fact that Dan of Dan. Um, because I like, from what I remembered from the shining, I was like, I just don't get it. Like, wasn't it just about this like old man fucking rampaging and his son not dying? Yeah. Um, that is the movie. Yeah. That's like, if you want to sum up the movie, it's like this man, almost this man almost kills his whole family. But they don't, like, see, that's my, it's not, like, a problem with the movie, because, like I said, I like it, but if you really wanted to get into the thing about the whole shining part, it doesn't establish that that is why. It's the hotel, and that's why Danny can sense the spirits, because he has ability to shine. He's, the hotel's feeding off of him, and he's feeding off of it, but it doesn't ever say that in the movie. So you don't get it. Yeah, it's all like you don't subliminal. Get why Jack messaging. is going crazy because he's also seeing the spirits, but that's because the hotel is making him. If a, if a, it's an entity that can shine and is psychic, because it's not a person, obviously, it's a building. Yeah. Why is this so fucking evil? <laughs> oh my god, I feel like I would. I mean, obviously, everybody, other people in the movie theater felt this way, but, uh, bro, when they went to the hotel in Dr. Sleep, I was like, Ugh, it's back. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> you woke this dead bitch up. You dumb cunt. You this did that again. dirty bitch. <laughs> if the hotel could talk, I bet the hotel was like, Why? I see you've returned. <laughs> I have seen. Trust. Come in here. Get in here. No, you ain't get you out. You ain't leaving this time. <laughs> like Danny, Danny walked in there and was like, "Hello, hotel." And I bet if that hotel could, that hotel would be like, "Hello, Danny." <laughs> Welcome back, bitch. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> I I do remember from um like reading the reviews when Doctor Sleep first came out, like the the book, not the movie. I do remember people being like, I don't really understand how these two intersect. So, I don't know if he elaborates in the book too much either about The Shining. I have not read the book. I know. Okay, I'll say, I haven't read it either, but I will say, the scene in the movie 
when the black man is talking to Danny about his ability to shine because the black man can also shine. Yeah. I know that was longer in the book. That it was that was more in the book that he talked to him about what that is. Right. Versus in the movie, it was like two seconds. As movies do. Well, I mean, right. But that's it's that's fine. that's what I have. <laughs> now it makes me want to watch him again. God damn it. <laughs> now I'm sitting here like, oh, yeah. You know what? I like to. This is not on topic. But I was like, I like to elaborate on the whole, like, why we like villains and evil things. Because I don't know what it is about that hotel, but I was so excited to see it. Because I was like, yes, this evil bitch. This hotel is about to take her and just be like, you know what? Ain't nobody ever leave me. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Because I'm a, ooh. You thought you got rid of me. That hotel can't even speak, and you know what it was saying. <laughs> I I got excited for like the circularness of it, the the. I I feel like events. I always get excited, like when stuff gets connected. Yeah, I'm that person. I I like when things come to end where they began. If that makes I was. Sense. I understand, but it's making me think how your other media is Avatar. I felt that way about Legend of Korra when the characters started coming back. It's just like, <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. Just screaming. Yes. Literally. Oh, it also makes me think of, like, Fantastic Beasts, when you start to see, like, the stuff from Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts, and you're just like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, bitch. Yes. Bring it back. Bring it back. Anyway. Speaking of which, wasn't there a second movie? Did I miss that? I think... Yes. Oh. I think there there is. <laughs> I want to say there is, and I want to say I missed it. <laughs> Girl, I don't even know. Whatever, you know. That's what I said. Where did Eddie Redmayne go? Off to the wayside. He's, he's just, he's gone. <laughs> I hope he's okay. So, you know what? Your media was a book, but it wasn't a book, but I like how it was a book. (laughs) Yes, a book, and no a book, but yes, a book. Like, your media itself, you were talking about the movie and not really the book, but I like how it was still a book. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I roll. If you want to hear more from us and listen to Jane talk about books... Forever and always. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter just searching up Mixed Witches Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email and tell us about your adventures into astral projection and lucid dreaming by emailing us at mixedwitchespodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Society6, which is also at Mixed Witches Podcast. Or you can go to our website and uh, find us there, which is at mixedwitchespodcast.squarespace.com. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed we'll it. This was a long boy. there more. Uh, yeah. I, well. I just forget to. I'll probably start putting, like, temple pictures on there that I take around Japan. Mm-hmm. But I just forget. I, I forget to. I'm so bad about it. That would be cool to start a like photo album section. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, like the one that I put on the Instagram recently. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 
also, it is a long boy, but also you're going to edit it, so. <laughs> it's still going to be a long boy. <laughs> it's going to be a long boy, maybe slightly shorter boy. <laughs> Strap in. Burps. It's definitely going to be over two hours. <laughs> edit the burps. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, hope you guys had a good time. Hope you guys liked the finishing touches to the planets for the birth chart. Oh, God. Astrology is done. I hope you're all happy. <laughs> and, of course, our long-winded talk about lucid dreaming that went off into astral projection area and came back to lucid dreaming. <laughs> it's like they're not the same thing, but, like, aren't they? They're, they're very similar. I, I would say. <laughs> Anyways, hope you guys had a good time, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. When you were young, our minds were getting faded. Did not appreciate all that they created. We're chasing after that witch's brew. Damn, 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 damn. Thinking more, but doing less. Keeping score, but failing at the test, y'all. Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn Chasing after that witch's brew You've got nothing better to do Cause you're sailing down Easiest street again Damn X marks the spot Or is it O? Getting high then feeling so low Chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn
stop cause you're sailing down Z Street again Damn, almost within reach, but out of your grasp The last drop at the bottom of your glass You're chasing after that witch's brew Damn, 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 damn.